The bracket is set. What does it mean for the Auburn Tigers? And the football is back on the plane. Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I'm, I'm freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked on Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackamine. Thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Lindsey Crosby joining us as he does every single Monday. And Selection Sunday is behind us, Lindsey Crosby. The Auburn Tigers earning a two-seed and I know a lot of folks are really upset with how the SEC tournament went and they ran into the apparent buzzsaw that was Texas A&M until they ran out of gas. But I, I, I think it's a good thing. You just look at how they're seated. I think they have a really reasonable and manageable path um, post-selection Sunday. I really, really do. Yeah, I mean, the end of the day, the SEC tournament doesn't really matter for anything other than it's another banner. So, like, you would have gotten to hang two banners had you won the whole thing. But what's what's important now is okay, you have a seat in the bracket. You're in, you know, you're going to Greenville, and it's it's a reasonable path. Yeah, to go all the way into something like the Sweet Sixteen, like you can very easily see how it could happen. Totally. Uh, and and I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe this is the second highest seeding for the tournament in Auburn basketball history. That sounds right. So, yeah. I didn't see that so, anywhere, but that, I believe that. That sounds right. Yeah. So, you know, let's be, let's not mourn what we lost on Saturday. Let's celebrate what we have, which is a two seed to the NCAA tournament. Yes. And it'll be an Alabama matchup as two seed Auburn takes on 15 seed Jack State. And I've already kind of been talking to some people who were watching film um, shortly after the the matchup was announced, talking about how bad Jack State looks. Look, this is this is a game that Auburn should win. Uh, if Auburn just goes out and plays and does what they're capable of doing, they will win this matchup. And really, I think with you know the the difference in size that they have and depth and talent, this is something that Auburn fans should feel really really good about going into Friday morning's matchup against Jack State. And then looking ahead, they take on the winner of USC and Miami. And, I mean, this is the nature of being a two-seed. You should like your second matchup just as well. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen when you look at this. Whether it's USC, whether it's Miami, you got to feel good about that. And then you make it through the first weekend. You're a Sweet 16 team. And I think that's really something that we would all have taken at the start of the season. So I have my hand raised because I have uh, two quick questions. Uh, one. <laughs> yes. Is this USC East or West? I assume uh, it's Southern California. It is. Yes. Are we the only ones who actually call them both USC? Is it just us? Um, uh, no, I don't think we're the only ones. No. Okay. But, but I think uh, don't tell USC people that. Don't oh yeah, tell they, USC they, people they hate that. that. They're the only no. USC. Right. It's like saying Ohio State without the like, oh my gosh. Um, but no, the Jacksonville State matchup profiles something to be pretty pretty reasonable that Auburn should win that. I mean, if you have a player that is number one pick in the NBA draft potential, then kind of by default, you are the more talented team on the floor. You've played a right. tougher schedule. You've had bigger matchups. You've had bigger tests. 
So you should be fine there. Mm-hmm. Uh, USC and Miami, both those teams, I feel like um, oh, underachieved a bit based on what everybody thought they were capable of. Just didn't quite, you look at the preseason to now, just didn't quite look as good as people thought they would be. So you're kind of catching them when they're down as well. And then you can keep alive the possibility of an Elite Eight, or I'm sorry, a Sweet 16 matchup against LSU. You can get, you can play LSU again. Maybe. The coachless LSU, because me and all my homies hate Will Wade. Uh, yep, he's not there anymore, though. Curious to see how that'll impact him. Will he be a martyr for his team, or will they fall apart? I don't know. I don't think he's that good of a coach, so it may actually help him. I don't know. No idea. But, you know, and they talked about this in the, the broadcast and I love this. It seems like every time Auburn makes a tournament, once they get done, they're like, what are your potential upsets? And they always pick Auburn. And it's just like, this year I was curious, would they do it? Would they kind of hint towards liking the possibility of an upset with a 15 seed over a two seed? I'm like, surely that won't happen. But it did. It did. It's it, happened like twice in history, right? Uh, it doesn't happen often. It does not yeah. happen often. But yeah, they were hinting. It's like, I don't know. I don't know if one was going to happen. It's like, are you kidding me, CBS? Like, are you joking? It's extremely predictable. I don't know why it, like, shocked me so much, but it's just Listen, this is very demeaning to the powerhouse that is Delaware taking on Villanova in the South bracket. Okay? (laughs) Also, can I just, real quick, why is the Midwest bracket in Greenville I don't know, man. And then I, I don't. I don't think the, the directions the names, actually mean anything. The names don't match up with the locations. It's confusing, man. I mean, it's like that in all sports, though. Let's be honest. Divisions. If you're like the AFC East or the NFC West, you got teams all over the place. That's just the way it is. But the Atlantic so, and the Coastal and ACC doesn't make sense. Anyway, so so the toughest path for Auburn, the worst quote unquote worst case scenario, assuming Auburn wins, would be Auburn beating Jack State and then taking on USC. They're taking on Wisconsin. And in fact, the CBS broadcast projected Wisconsin to, uh, I believe, like make the Elite Eight or the Final Four. Um, and then obviously Kansas. And so I just, I, you look at it as like the four seed is Providence. I'm sorry, I'm just not buying it. And the six seed is somebody you've already beaten handedly. And so I, I think it's a good situation. But there's people out there rolling their eyes at all of this, Lindsay, because they're like, well, Auburn's never going to figure out anything on offense. They're just not going to be able to do it. And it's like, stop it. Everything that happened behind us now doesn't matter anymore. I mean, this is March. This is tournament mentality. And it's just, it's impossible to predict what's going to happen. And so don't be negative about it. Be excited about the potential and the path that is in front of the team. If you're listening to the show, I assume that you were pulling for the Tigers and the path that they have is pretty reasonable. What, people can't listen to the show for me? No. Um, so it, when you have Jabari Smith on your team, then literally anything can happen. And I will not ever believe you are going to lose in the tournament until it is double zeros on the clock. Right. I mean, you have what could be, who is a literally could be considered one of the best players in college basketball as in he's a finalist for the award for best player in college basketball. Right. Um. When you have him, anything is possible. Jabari now, Smith, thing- more like Naismith, am I right? Oh, got him. <laughs> now, the <laughs> thing to the thing to to <laughs> be concerned about, if there is a reason to be concerned, is I feel like in the tournament, so much of it's predicated on guard play, mm-hmm. more so than your front court. And yeah. so you have to see more consistent guard play than what we've seen in the last couple of weeks. So now so I say that. Now yeah. Saturday, Wendell 
went nuclear in the second half and just yeah. started making everything from the logo. But you can't dig a hole like you did in the first half uh, and then expect to come back and win consistently in the tournament. I thought they were going to do it because that's just the I, kind of fight I, I the team has. Like if if they're within 10 with 10 minutes left, which isn't a big ask to be within 10 with 10 minutes left, um, Auburn is probably going to win. I mean, that's just how this team is. And so when it comes tournament time, I, we've said this all year, I really still believe that this team is built to win in March with depth, with solid defense. And I think that's stuff that really, really matters. Guard play obviously is important. And I know that's one of the big things that all the, you know, the, the experts say, and it's true. Obviously you want good guard play, but I'm sorry. I'd rather Jabari Smith shoot more than our guards. Like I just, I just would. And so, you know, I mean, there's a lot of the times where you're one of your guards is your best player on your team. That is not the way the Auburn team is built. But, man, these guards can play defense. And, man, Walker, Kessler, and Jabari Smith can score. And so, sure, you want good guard play. And I think you're going to get good guard play on defense. If you can just get okay guard play on offense, Auburn's going to win a lot of games. And that should be something that, that you should hold your hat on and be excited about. All right, Lindsay, in just a moment, football is back on the planes. We will talk about that. But first, I want to tell you about Run Your Pool. RunYourPool.com, it's the website right now for all these folks listening to all these shows and you know, you're know you reading up about all these articles. You're trying to get a game plan for how you can go deep in your bracket pool. Well, you got to you gotta kind of focus on where you're going to play your bracket. And so don't go to ESPN, don't go to CBS. They are so limited in what they can offer you as a sports fan. Run your pool, they can do it all. They can absolutely do it all. In fact... Go to runyourpool.com slash locked on right now. Join our pool. Hang out with us. Compete against us. And you also can win some cash money, baby. Some prizes for competing with other locked on listeners across the entire network as well as hosts. Check it all out. Up to $1,800. Yeah. If you know basketball, come on, baby. Let's go. Let's go. So, yeah, go to runyourpool.com slash locked on. And while you're there, you're going to be impressed with it. You'll want to open up your own pool and just enter the code Pure Madness at checkout for $10 off your custom pool. That is runyourpool.com slash locked on for your chance to win up to $1,800. Today's show also brought to you by Stat Hero. Stat Hero is another way that you can make money. I use Stat Hero over the course of the weekend. It was incredibly fun. You know, I'm a big fantasy football guy. And, you know, I always kind of get into fantasy basketball. And then halfway through it, I kind of fizzle out. The daily aspect of it, is awesome. It is so fun. So go to Stat Hero uh, in your phone's app store. It is free to download, or you can go to the website, stathero.com slash locked on, and use the promo code locked on. I did it. Up to $100 are going to match. That's how much I put in. They gave me $100 free. It's awesome. And it's totally fun. And there's a couple of different ways you can play. But uh, I played the way where, you know, I, I, I had a lineup, and you could, you could pick between two different lineups, and it's like, okay, I think this one's better. And so, uh, yeah, I want some money this weekend. So be sure to check that out. Stathero.com slash locked on. Use promo code locked on. And of course, terms and conditions apply. Lindsey Crosby of Locked On MLB Prospects and writer for AuburnDaily.com. Football practice is happening today. If you were listening on Monday, football practice is happening today. It's back. And man, it's super important for Brian Harrison. 
Yeah, this is this is kind of like his first spring practice where it's his team, you know, because so much of last year, obviously, he inherited a quarterback. He inherited he didn't have a ton of time to pull a class and run together. Totally, this is now his team. The guys who aren't. I'm not going to say on his side, but the guys who weren't necessarily bought into what he was doing have moved on. He's brought in his recruiting class. He's brought in transfers. And so I'm really excited to hear about what they do to set the tone for the spring. You know how there's always a theme every year and every team does this, not just Gus Malzahn, but every team does this. And so I'm I'm curious to hear what a Brian Harson theme for spring practice looks like and sounds like for this Auburn team. Yeah, I mean, he was still learning everybody's name and what they looked like and their, their personalities. I mean, there's so much that goes and on. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's true, too. That's true, too. Sounds like he knows the parents really well now, which is great. Better than a year yeah. ago, which is crucial. Big part of it. But, you know, you heard during spring last time, and John Samuel Schenker hinted at this in the interview last week when, he had him, when we had him on the show last Thursday. If you missed it, go check it out. But... He was kind of, I asked him about, you know, what's different this year than previous years. And, you know, he, he talked about the culture side of things. And, you know, people are showing up on time. You don't have to worry about people being late and things like that. Now, it was such a big story last year. It's all these reports coming out. He's with Brian Harson just being blown away by, you know, folks that, you know, didn't really seem to want to show up on time or work hard. You got to think that that, is a thing of the past. They've been able to turn the page on this, you would think. And so I think that's something that's going to be really, really cool to see over the next few weeks. Yeah, and and for me, I'm really curious, and obviously we're not going to know much until A-Day and, and the spring game, but I'm, I'm right. curious to see a lot more about how some of these positions shake out where we've heard about so much conversation, you know, who's going to be the guy at quarterback. Obviously, Calzada is not going to participate in the spring, so behind him, what's that look like? with Finley and Ashford and Davis and Garner right. and then wide receiver talking about who's going to be the guy to step up at wide receiver. And I'll reiterate what I said, maybe three weeks ago or so. I don't think you'll know who the guy is going to be at receiver until you know the quarterback, because so much of what a wide receiver does is based off of chemistry with the quarterback and them playing to each other. And so yeah, I'm it, curious to see how that shakes out. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting conversation too, because I mean, I agree with you in the sense of like, the fourth or fifth guy, but like, I know you said receivers, but like John Samuel Shanker is going to be on the field a ton. Yeah. I, I, Javaris, Javaris Johnson, like he's going to be on the field a ton. Chedrick Jackson's going to be on the field a ton. But after that, after that, I, I, I'm with you. It's like, okay, who, you know, is somebody going to be closer to Malcolm Johnson Jr.? Somebody going to be closer with, you know, Zevion Capers? What's yeah, that, that look like? Guy. Yeah. Right. You know, is, is Jay Fair popping off with somebody, Camden Brown, whoever it may be, um, do, does, do they build a rapport with somebody else? And that's a great question. That's a great question. Which, mm-hmm. which backup tight end gets the majority of the receiving snaps behind John Samuel Schenker? Yeah. Because every quarterback, when they're in their passing skeleton, everybody's going to have one tight end in there to throw to. Schenker's only, there's only one of Schenker. So who, you know, who's going to be throwing darts to to Landon King or right. to Luke Deal or whatever. And so, like, that's another thing where I just, I want to see, we have so much tight end talent, which feels weird to say about an Auburn team because we just haven't really done that. Yeah. But who's going to shake out as far as a second receiving option? Because it looks like as of right now, the passing game's kind of wide open. There's plenty of, mm. there's plenty of possible balls to come your way if you can, you know, build a rapport with the quarterback who wins the battle and you can show out in practice. And hopefully... 
they throw it less this year. I think they're going to have to. I mean, yeah. you got to you got to have the feeling that Parsons taking over more of the play calling. You're going to see less of Bobo's influence, which I think most for the most part is a good thing. I think there were some things that I liked, but for the most part, with this current roster, I think that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and you obviously have Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter, and so what does that look like? Do they balance it more often? Does a third guy step up? Does a Jordan Ingram have a bigger name? Damari Austin's getting a lot of attention, but it feels like, to me, there's guys in front of him. So, you know, who's going to be this spring fling that pops up? I mean, it's going to be a running back. Outside of Tank and Jarquez, there's going to be another running back that's exciting to talk about. And so, my guess is Jordan Ingram. I think that's who we're going to hear a ton of reports about. Damari Austin's too too easy of a layup, I think. Wait, wait. How do you say his name? It's Jordan, Jordan. I think it's Jordan Ingram. Yeah. Okay. I think that's Learns how Jay Ferg that. said it. And if Jay Ferg says it, I believe it. That is true. Uh, six dollars a month, six dollars a year, folks. Yep. Worth Al- it. AuburnObserver.com, BB. Let's go. Let's go. But yes, yeah. Fun time of year with football being back, obviously. And this is March. So very, very exciting stuff. Uh, Auburn baseball struggled over the weekend. We will get Lindsay's thoughts on that next right here on Locked On Auburn. But I want to tell you about our friends at betonline.net. If you are feeling super confident about specific matchups going into March Madness, or if you're just looking at it and you're like, look, this team's going to win it all. If you think the Tigers are going to win it all, go to BetOnline and put your money where your mouth is. Uh, or if you like Gonzaga's chances, if you feel like they're going to change it, um, you know, change their uh, their future. Put it all on them, baby. Let's go. Let's rock and roll. Go to betonline.net. You'll see all of the, your betting needs fulfilled there. BetOnline, where the game starts. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Lindsey Crosby. Auburn baseball rider for AuburnDaily.com. Yes. Auburn dropped the series. Lost two out of three to Middle Tennessee State. Which every time Middle Tennessee State comes up in anything, I'm like, I feel like the state part of it is redundant and not needed. But that's fine. That's fine. Just Middle Tennessee's good. Well, I mean, there's there's like Ohio State and University of Ohio. Yeah. Like Tennessee State, University of Tennessee. Is there a Middle Tennessee? And then a Middle Tennessee State, though? No, there's not. There's not. We could just call, let's just call them directional Tennessee. Like, I'm fine with that. That's, that's what cool. I do for Michigan. Uh, that's great. That's great. Um, what happened? Which makes well, it worse that they beat us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, great. so we lose two out of three. Um, Monday is a 10 to 8 loss. I'm sorry, Monday. Friday is a 10 to 8 loss. Uh, Saturday's game gets moved to Sunday due to frigid temperatures. Uh, we got got by the fake spring there. Uh, we win game one, 10 to, 10 to 7 on Sunday, and lose game two, 4 to 3 in eight innings because it was a seven inning game that went to extras. So the story of it here was 
pitching. And there was a great article last week at Auburn Daily about <laughs> the the first inning struggles from this pitching staff sure. and kind of how everybody has had, if you haven't checked it out, you have to go read it. Uh-huh. Um, just about how everybody's like, no matter how good Auburn pitching has been this, this season, uh, the first innings kind of been a little bugaboo for everybody. And we saw a lot of that here. So um, Jordan Armstrong on Friday, doesn't make it out of the first inning, gives up four runs on four hits. Uh, second inning, we see I believe it's four more runs scored. And um, kind of oddly, you see a bunch of unearned runs. You see them give up four unearned runs in the uh, second inning, which is wild. Um, Auburn starts to, you know, four tries unearned to come runs back. in one inning? Yes. So, long story short, if the guy gets on via error, and like that guy would have been the final out in the inning, yeah. and he gets on via error, then anything that happens after him is unearned. Because if the error wouldn't have happened, the inning would be over. Mm. So like a misplay at second with two outs, well, that would have been the third out. So none of those guys that came up after him would have scored because they wouldn't have existed as right. base runners. So it's all unearned. Um, it's it's kind of weird. Yeah, I know. Uh, but no, so Jordan Armstrong struggles on Friday, doesn't get out of the first. Joseph Gonzalez on Sunday in, in Sunday's game one. Um, struggles a little bit. Actually, the trainers come out after the third pitch, look at Joseph Gonzalez, uh, check out his hand, his thumb, and he ultimately only stays in for the first inning, leaves the game in the first, and even Trace Bright struggles a bit. You know, Mr. Reliable there. Even Trace Bright struggles a little bit in the first, doesn't give up a run, but does allow some base runners and ends up um, with a gritty, you know, a gritty performance. But just... Pitching not necessarily being there. And I can't, I don't know how much of it was the cold and how much of it was these guys. And I think Gonzalez and Bright, I'm not as worried about them. I think that was the cold. Um, Jordan Armstrong, this is now two straight starts where he's looked really shaky in the first. And especially this one, he didn't get out of the first. And so I'm a little more, a little more worried about that and about um, if he is maybe actually going to be the Friday night guy. We did see Tommy Sheehan come in on Saturday. I'm sorry, on, on Sunday's game one and relieve Joseph Gonzalez and look pretty good for a couple innings. So yeah. Sheehan may be closer to being ready where he goes back into that Friday night role that That's we important. expected him to have. That's yeah. important. We brought him in to be our Friday night guy from Notre Dame because he had 30 plus starts in the in the ACC. Yeah. Um, well, he looks like, I mean, a beginning of the season, coming back from partial TJ, still needed some work. He looks like he's gotten that work in. Uh, he looked really good on Sunday. I liked his, you know, his his slider had a good sweeping action to it. When he missed, he missed low, which is fine. I'd rather miss low than miss high. Okay. Um, you know, he, he was featuring the fastball quite a bit, but he pulled out a curveball when he needed to get outs, you know, through some some clean sheets, got some good tracks on Sunday. So right. I feel like if I right now had to pick a starting um, three for old Miss. Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. You're probably looking at some combination of Gonzalez, Bright, and Sheehan. I don't necessarily know what order they're going to be in, simply because Tommy pitched on Sunday. Can right. he turn around and pitch again on Thursday? But I think it's going to be some order of those three guys. As much as I loved Jordan Armstrong early in the season, yeah, he's had two straight pretty rocky outings, including one where he didn't get out of the first. So I mean, it just seems like this weekend going into it was all about getting right and cleaning up before you host Ole Miss this weekend. Yeah. And dropping two out of three doesn't really feel like you did that. 
No. And, and what bothers me is like even game two, okay. Auburn wins game two, 10 to seven. But if you look at the way that it happened, Auburn drops seven in the first inning. Auburn drops three more in the third and then doesn't score again the rest of the game. Middle Tennessee scores two in the fourth, three in the sixth, one in the seventh, one in the eighth. Like if that, if that game was a few more innings long, they're on pace to beat you there too. Yeah. And so it was something where Auburn pitchers just kind of struggled to, to, to get clean sheets coming out of the bullpen and the offense, it almost feels like they just kind of shut it down. And two of the three games we were missing um, thick King sucking the Chara. Uh, from the bruised heel he had in the Rhode Island series. He right. did DH for game two on Sunday. Uh, he is expected to be able to play on Tuesday for that last non-conference before we go um, and ho- and host Old Miss on Thursday. So we need him back. He's batting 470-ish on the season. So Ridiculous. Add that, add that to your lineup. It helps a little bit. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, we have answered some questions as far as personnel and where guys should go. Jake Wyatt is probably now the guy at catcher, the mm. defensive transfer from Presbyterian. Uh, Brian Dial has now played, I think over the weekend he played one, he, he caught one game and played two games in left field. Mm-hmm. Uh, question I do have is when we m- go on an away game and he doesn't have a short left field with the green monster, is he still going to play outfield or are we going to have a more conventional outfitter like a Josh Hall type in there? That's so what does that do to our lineup in a conventional left field? But mm-hmm. for now, looks like he'll be our our left fielder in most situations. And you have one extra between Cam Hill, um, Carlson, and Sonny Dachara as far as first base and DH. So you have time for Sonny to get healthy. You've got two guys who can man it. And then when he comes back, you have to figure out playing time for all three of those guys somehow. Right, right. Uh, Lindsay, what is your confidence level with Ole Miss? Ole Miss is a top five team. And if Old Miss brings the baby blues, you're in trouble because everybody knows baby blue jersey is the best. Yeah. Um, I really, I think we're going to know a lot more about this team after this series. And if I had to off the top of my head, just based on having watched Old Miss on Saturday and then watching us this weekend, I probably would say we'll be happy if we win two, but I think it's probably more likely that we go one and two on the series. Yeah. Um, and that one win being Trace Bright start. Uh, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that that p- part of that depends on who is going to be that starting pitcher to either, is it going to be Jordan Armstrong? Is he going to get replaced by Sheehan? Um, and then how do these pitchers react to SEC hitters versus a Rhode Island versus a Yale versus a Middle Tennessee versus a UAB? Right. So we've seen, again, that article from the Auburn Daily, we've seen first inning troubles. And at a certain point, you made it work against lesser competition. Can you still make those same escapes when you play a top five SEC team? Right. We'll find that out. Lindsey Crosby, how can people find you here? You support you. And how far do you have Auburn going in your bracket? So my podcast is Locked on MB Prospects, available wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Big week this week because minor leaguers are in camp right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. You can follow that show on Twitter at Locked on Farm. Uh, the merch is at AUShirts.com, and I have Auburn going all the way because I don't do anything halfway. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Yeah, I can't wait to see how many folks in the runyourpool.com slash locked on pool. Um, Auburn is a big chunk of the listenership, and I'd love for it just to be Auburn all over the place. In your entry name, put Auburn in it. I just, we need to represent well, guys. 
Follow me on Twitter at Z Black. We're showing Twitter at Locked On Auburn and on Instagram at Auburn Podcast. Also putting up more stuff on TikTok. Locked On Auburn on TikTok if you were into that. We'll see you tomorrow right here on Locked On Auburn.